Pastor Chris's podcast. As the praise band is finding their seat, I just want to introduce our speaker to you, Coach Land, who graduated from Dalton High School in 1988. And um, while being part of two Southeastern Conference Championships, 1990 or 1988 and 1989, he earned his degree in aerospace engineering. Upon graduation, he returned to Dalton, work with the family business, and to become a community coach. And he's won, um, since then, he's become a coach, and he has coached for 28 years. Coaching is a calling. Come on up, come on up. So we're glad to have Coach Land here today. And we invite him to come and to speak to us. Yeah, what he didn't tell you, with me getting an aerospace engineering degree, that's why my dad won't fly. Scares the thought of somebody like me building something like that. So I don't really blame that. I wasn't really nervous until you say Coach Wagers is watching. So uh, I watched him throw a mower from one side of a barn to another. So uh, I'm a little nervous now, Coach. I hope what I say you like. Uh, if not, I'll be really kind to you. No, I, I tell you, I, it, is a, it really is a joy to be able to speak to you this morning. I... Um, in the first service, I, I told them that uh, I'm a little bit more comfortable, obviously, wearing a jersey. I don't know that I've ever worn a jersey in a pulpit before, so this is a new experience for me. Uh, but I'm glad that Kelly's here because in the first service, I had Gary Bingham. And I told Gary that if I got too close to throw a flag on me. So uh, Kelly's going to throw a flag if I run too late or anything. Kelly said he'd let me know. I'm so used to being out there with those guys. Generally, I wasn't complaining on Friday nights. I just wanted to help them make sure that they saw what I was seeing, you know. And so I just was there offering suggestions, never, never any criticism, and generally inviting them to church. So, Kelly, I'm glad you made it this morning. I would invite you many times. So, being serious, I, it, this is a, this is really, this is a high point for me. Uh, I, I've been very blessed to to live a very gifted. Life and not gifted on my part, gifted on the fact that God has just gifted me. He gifted me with parents. He gifted me with family. He gifted me with a wife. He's gifted me with kids. Certainly, the ability to be successful in, in various things. So, I've lived a very gifted life, and I don't take that. But this is a gift this morning, and I want to start by just saying the gift is, is, is really a lot of you. I, uh, th- this last 15 months has, has been different. For, for me, uh, you do something for 28 years, you, you lose a little of your identity when, when you lose it. Um, and I wouldn't trivialize it and, and equate it to a spouse or a child or, or anything, but, but it is, it's who you are. It, it's who you spend the majority of your time with. And so, so this year has been a little bit of a, for me, it's been an opportunity to take an inventory of, of the things in my life that, to be honest with you, I really don't deserve. And a lot of you really don't deserve you. Uh, I can think back through the years, just about everybody in here, where I've seen you at a ballpark, or I've seen you at a family reunion, or I've seen you in my home. And you're just, I want you to know, before we get started, it had nothing to do with the message, and, and probably should have said it in the first, but you're all a blessing to me. And, and this, for me, is a high point. To be able to, to stand before you and lead you, for just a moment, to the throne of God, life may go downhill from here, but for right now, this, this is a high water mark for Matt Land. But I want to thank you for each of you, for what you, you've been a part of my life, the encouragement, uh, just, uh, just the challenging parts of, of our life. 
so many faces uh, that I can, I can remember over the years. And so I just want you to know from our family, we love you and, and we appreciate you. I want to begin by reading out of 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 through 17. It says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And so I, wanna, I just want to tell you this morning, God's going to be here this morning. He, he, and I don't, I don't know what your need is. Uh, as the pastor will attest, you start these sermons, and you, you really you, you feel so confident. This is what God wants you to tell somebody. And then you get about halfway through it and realize he's really telling you. (laughs) So this morning's message, I don't know if you'll get anything out of it or not. I got no clue. But I got a lot out of it. Because God has really showed me so many things in my life that I really need to be challenged by. And I'm going to share those in these next few moments. So let's go to the throne real quick in prayer. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for the friendships, the relationships that are in this room, Father. I thank you, Father, for just the ability to be here, Father, and to be in good health, Father. We thank you for that. We thank you for the warmth of this building, Lord, Father, the ability to be able to come and praise you in freedom without fear of persecution. Lord, Father, we thank you for that. But most important, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that he died on a cross that we could live eternally with you. And that is our hope. Our hope is not in the things that we have and the things that we can do. Lord, our hope is in you. And so we thank you for that. In Jesus Christ's name, everybody said, amen. Do you have a dream? Do do you have a hope? Do, Do you have something down the road that you just, you know, you just think that's, that's one day. That's what I want to do. You know, we, we live in a world, today is certainly, to me, I believe NCAA Monday and Super Bowl Sunday should be national holidays. I just believe that. I think we need those days off from work. Uh, paid holidays, obviously, but I think we need those days off from work. I mean, we just need those days to celebrate, and I love what she was saying this morning, the accomplishment of people who have had a dream their whole life, and they've accomplished that dream. But you know, some of us, we're maybe in a moment where our dream is not coming true. We're in a a moment where what we we believe, what we were sold, it's it's just not what we thought it was going to be. And so I don't really have a title. I I don't like titles to sermons because what I found is when I write a sermon, I very rarely end where I start. And I'm two notes, I'm two pages through five pages this morning. I thought I'd give you the last three pages, but God's already showed me we're not even going to probably get in this. So what I do know is that if we've not ever achieved, or we're in a moment, we've not achieved that dream, we're in that moment called the wait. And and I'm a guy, I, I really do not mind God telling me no. Because I'm a plan B guy. I mean, I've made a living 28 years of having a contingency plan, right, Ethan? I mean, Friday night, it just don't go the way it's supposed to. And when you pin your life on the, you know, backs of 15, 16, 17-year-olds, you probably tend to wind up like me, right? Two coaches in the world, those that's been fired, those that's going to be fired, okay? 
I ascribe to both of those now, so I got no problem with that. But the point is, what happens when we get there and the dream don't come true? Now what do we do? Well, we're in that moment called the wait. So I hate it when God says to me, wait. I, I'm really going to start a petition. I think the word, you know, that Bible verse, be still. Before I don't want that verse. I want to be active. I want to be moving. I want to be doing something. And then God says, wait. So I don't like those four letters. That's a four-letter word to me. I don't like the word wait. Now, with four women in my home, you would think that'd be something I'm very accomplished, all right? We live 300 yards from our church, and we're still 15 minutes late. I don't get that, okay? But that's why we drive separate cars. But here's that's another issue. That's a personal issue. So here's the deal. So when you don't receive the miracle, you don't get to us at the pot at the end of the, you know, the rainbow, what do, you, what do you do? What do you do? You're faced with a challenge. You're faced in this moment. And here's the thing, and I want to start with this. You, that's when the devil comes to you and says, you've done something wrong. You, you've, you've screwed up. You, you didn't get your prayer request in time. You didn't use the right language. You prayed in Hebrew instead of Greek. Whatever, you just didn't do it. And what I want to tell you is, that's a lie. That's a lie. You're not where you're at because you've done something wrong. Now, there's poor choices. There's poor decisions. No, I'm not going to dismiss those. Sometimes we do get in messes because we make bad decisions. But, but spiritually... Sometimes we're where we're at because we're exactly where God wants us. I don't really like being in the position I'm in. But what I know is God has talked to me these last 15 months that I'm going to tell you, had I been on a sideline somewhere, I wouldn't have heard God. God has a way of capturing our attention. He has this way of hitting the, the, the DVD machine, pause, and we got to pause with him. And it's in that moment that I want to submit to you, I think there's some challenges, and I'm going to give you three today that I think are the challenges that you and I face. Number one, I know this, that when God calls us to do something, very rarely are we going to be in a situation where it's going to go exactly like you think it's going to go. I mean, you, you, I don't know about you. You may have a different relationship with God. He's lost my email. He doesn't know my cell phone. I get no text message of, hey, this is what's about to happen. Normally, life presents us a situation, and we're not ready for it. Well, to me, that's when we've got to look at one of two things. Are we either going to look at God's promise, or are we going to look at God's problems? Are we going to look at the promise that God's given us? Or are we going to get so captivated by the problems that the world wants to give us? And there's no shortage of those. You turn on the TV, I hear two things, fiction and noise. I get no facts. I get no truth. So what are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on the problem? Are you going to focus on God's promise? There's no greater example of this than Abraham. We look at Abraham in the Bible in Genesis 15, 2 and 6. It says, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all these blessings when I don't even have a son? So here he is. He's telling God, he's got like, God, you've given me all of this wealth and I got nobody to give it to. Am I literally going to have to take my servant's son, the, literally a slave son, and give all that I've accomplished to this child? There's no blood of my blood. 
But then the Lord says to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram aside and said to him, look, up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as a righteous because of his faith. I love God's sense of humor. He knew he couldn't count the stars. This is figurative. It's not literal. It's figurative. He's saying, I'm going to bless you so far beyond what you can imagine. Now, here's the problem with that. We read it. We hear it. I'm a man like Abraham, and I know what Abraham did. He said, God, I don't know if you noticed, I'm old. Now, I'm 52, and I'm going to be honest with you. I've loved having kids. I can't imagine having kids at 52. Can't wait on grandkids. 52, I can't imagine. He's 100. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, he really must be wanting a child, right? But think of the paradox here. God's told him, you're going to be a father of a, of a nation, of generations, as many as the stars. But what's he got to be thinking? God, how's this going to work? I mean, if I'm 100, she's at least 80. I don't know if that's going to work. But what happens? God promised it. So it's on God to do it. That's what we forget. When God gives us a promise, we suddenly, and my friend Dave Grusnick says this, we, we take the simple and make it delightfully complicated. Why? To prove our existence. If God calls you to do it, it's on God to do it. See, it ain't, it ain't my, I mean, I've got to be fiduciary and I've got to be judicial and I've got to do my part in trying to find God. But here's the deal. God's got my resume. God's going to put it where it's supposed to be. It's not on me. Now, I can't be lazy. But what I can't be is God. God's got to be God. And I got to be me. If we look at Romans 4.18, it says, Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And what was the result? Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. But there's one, there's one thing that I want to focus on, one part of that, and that's this. When it says, even when there was no reason to hope, he hoped. Now, it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm 52, but I'm not 102, so I don't have all the experience, but I got enough experience to say this. When you get to the point that you're at the end of the rope, God's the one that tied the knot. And sometimes when we get to the point where we can't do no more, it's not about our intelligence, our power, our money, our persuasions, our reputations, our personalities, our skill set, our abilities. That's when God walks in and says, so now can I work? Can, can, I, can I be me? Because as long as our hands on the wheel we think we're making a payment on the car. And God wants to be the one that goes, you don't get the glory. I get the glory. And that's what happens. We get so focused on what we can do that we get burned out and we never get to that point to where really it's not my hope in me. It's my hope in God. So where's your hope this morning? What are you still hoping in? What am I still hoping? This is where God just... Hit me right in the eyes. Do I still think this is about me? It's not about me. God has brought you to a point 
to where he doesn't need you to solve, he needs you to share. He needs you to be transparent. Because what I can tell you is, whatever you're going through leads you to the second place. So you've got the promise or the problems. You're going to focus on what God can't do or what God can do. But then we enter into the second quarter. Then we get to the middle part of the game. And that is this. We've got to determine whether we want to embrace the praise or do we want to embrace the pain. Because I'm going to tell you what I've learned this year. What I've learned is there's no shortage of people that want to remind you of your shortcomings. I'm going to say that again because I probably need it. There's no shortage of people to remind you of your shortcomings. There's no shortage of people to tell you what you've done wrong. There's no shortage of people for you to blame. There's no shortage of, there, there's, there's no shortage of everything that is not God. And then what happens? Everybody loves the pylon, right? Isn't that what we do in the world? Somebody gets down and what happens? Everybody wants to pile on. So it's in that moment where you have no hope. And what I want to submit to you is that's when God, that's when the ground becomes the most fertile. It's in that moment that you can't hope for anything else. But here's what happens. We think that because God has called us, that it's not going to be tough because God's calling us to this. And, and what I want you to know is Philippians 1.29 says, For you have been given the privilege of serving Christ, not only by believing in him, but also suffering for him. Listen, I, I'm one of these people that, that there's, there's, Ethan knows this. I mean, you know, the football world, the athletic world is divided into three parts, preseason, season, and postseason. And what's happened over the years, postseason's gotten shorter, preseason's gotten longer. Every high school sport right now is a professional sport. And regrettably, every parent thinks that their kid is a professional athlete, right? That's amen, Ethan. You can say that, amen. So here, here's the reality. So what that means is, is while we have this season or we have this preseason time, we think that we're limited to what's going on in that time. And what I believe is, is even though we may be in season and I'm playing 25 or 30 kids on Friday night, the reality is those kids that are not playing, they're still in preseason because they're not players anymore. They're being prepared for something. Well, what I want you to know is, I don't care where you are, preseason, season, or postseason, God's preparing you for something. And here's the thing about it. God's not preparing you for the moment you're in. You've been prepared for that moment. It's the next moment. I, I got no idea right now what, what God's doing in me for tomorrow. Because that's God's part. God's preparing you in the trial or the hope you're in for something that's going to come down the road. Now that ought to encourage you. And the reason that ought to encourage you is this. It's because that what you're going through is not purposeless. There's a purpose for it. God's got a purpose for your life. I've only got one son. I love him. Got three daughters. I love my one son, love my three daughters. But I can tell you this, I've told 2,500 players this, and I'll tell this congregation, there's nobody in this room I'd give my son for. Nobody. So the depth of Christ and God's love for me that he would give his son for me and for you, 
I can't imagine that. I can't get my arms around me substituting my son for someone that may or may not believe in me. And that leads us to really the, the third point. And that's where we get to this. We get to the point where we've already gone through the promise and we've certainly felt the problems. Then we get to the moment that we, we look at, are we going to go through the pain? Are we going to go through the praise? And then we come to that fourth quarter. And that fourth quarter is very simply this. We've got to make a determination of whether we're going to believe in the purpose or are we going to just serve people and their objectives? Because at the end of the day, we generally get to a point where when we feel we've lost that purpose, we've lost that identity. That's happened to me these last 15 months, not being a coach, not being on the sidelines, not having a locker room, not having players, not having assistant coaches. We lose an identity. And so what we think is we, we find ourselves in this wait when we're waiting on the next phase. We're waiting on the miracle. We're waiting on the hope. We're in this moment of wait. So what do we do? Well, here's the problem. I always thought the wait was a passive time. It's me sitting there in the corner of the room, you know, sucking my thumb, you know, waiting for God to change my diaper and give me whatever my next thing to do is. And I'm going to submit to you, that's not what it's about. The wait is not a time that's passive, it's active. If you're in the wait, I'm going to tell you something. I told my kids, the minute, December the, uh, November the 30th, uh, you know, you walk out of a room and they say, well, you know, we're going to go in a different direction. Here's where we're at. You can resign or you can be fired. Well, to me, that's like saying, do I want to eat concrete or ice cream? I don't know. Let me see which one I like better. I think I'll take the ice cream, right? So we resign. We take that. But I told my kids this. The next few months, there'll be more people watching us than has ever watched us in success. Why? Because people are looking at you when times are bad. When times are good, everybody can be the best Christian. When things are going good at, at work and your marriage is good and your kids are great, and oh, everybody's going, you know, everybody's what? They don't care what you then because everybody knows you're going to be good. They want to see it when the time gets tough, when the rubber's on the road, the fork's in the grit. They want to watch you then because what they want to know is, are you really real? Do you really believe all those graphics and those praise songs that come up on there? Do you really believe that? Do you really sing and say, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning in thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. Do we really believe that? Because that to me is what the weight becomes about. People are watching you. I, I appreciate Mike saying that I, I played at Auburn, that's very gracious. I really practiced uh, and prayed a lot. I didn't play as much as I liked, but I, I did practice a lot. But here's the thing about it. I learned one thing about being a walk-on. I really thought the first fan day that they had, I would sign three autographs. Mitch, Mom, Dad. Okay? That's kind of... I thought, and, and those obviously would be courteous, that, you know, but, but we'll, we'll go with it. But here was the thing about it. My first fan day, they give me a jersey. I've not hit one lick of the wood yet. They give me a jersey. I walk out there in the field. 
We got a Heisman Trophy candidate on our team. We got 20 guys that will go wind up playing in the NFL. I thought, there's nobody going to come and see me. Well, this little snotty old kid comes up, and I sign his thing. And then there's about three more, and I sign those. Well, next thing I know, there's about 15 people standing in my line. Well, man, I'm kind of blown away by that. Okay. And then I looked over and saw that there was, like, people sitting in the stands for other people. But that's a, you know. It's okay. Focus on the 15. Don't focus on the 700. Just focus on the 15. I'm okay with that. It's 12 more than I was expecting anyhow. So. But here's what God showed me. And guys, I'm going to tell you, I've got to get out of the pool behind this. I've tried my best to stay there. Sorry, I'm filming me. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care who you are. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching you. I don't care where you're at in life. I don't care what your troubles are. I don't, I don't, I don't know any that. Here's what I know. That experience taught me you are bigger than life to somebody. It may be your kids. It may be your spouse, your parents, your neighbor. It may be somebody in this church, somebody watching online. Somebody is watching you. You're the only Bible they're ever going to read. You're the only prayer they're ever going to pray. You're the only sermon they're ever going to hear. Where's your hope? I'm telling you that if your hope today is in you, you are going to fail. I don't care how great you are. If your hope is in somebody else, it's going to fail. One of the toughest things I remember telling my kids is don't ever put your hope in me. As a dad, I want you to, but I don't want you to because I'm going to fail you. I'm a man. If one guy is not going to fail you and he died on a cross for you, that's the guy that's not going to fail you. So this morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know. You're in praise. You're in purpose. You're in people. But I don't know. I just know this. Wherever you're at, God's got you in the wait for a reason. And he's wanting to tell you something. And it's in that wait that you find that the only hope is no hope in you and hope in him. And you are never more like Jesus than when you serve others. And so if you're in a position where God's not giving you a purpose, what I can promise you is he's put people around you for you to serve. God bless you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you once again for your word. I thank you, Father. I, I, forgive me for going long, Lord, but I just felt like that's your word. So Lord, be with us today. Keep us safe, Lord. And as we return our time to you, we thank you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.